which we all know the Jesus is way more important. So, anyways, with that being said, I don't know. We're gonna stop. We're gonna stop. We'll stop fighting with technology for a few minutes. Which, for those around here, know that our our fight with technology is forever and constant and always. <laughs> uh, don't sound like I'm the only one. Nice. All right. So, um, if I get the ushers, we're gonna take up the morning tithes and offering. Or the usher. The usher. Ushers. Yeah. You can come help me, Miss Marilyn. Usherette. Pray that you would be with us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. is a time of Thanksgiving. The month of November is Thanksgiving. That's what everybody thinks of right after, right after Halloween. We move into Thanksgiving. And if you know anything about me, you know that we're not putting Christmas things up until the 26th of November. Because let the turkey have his day. Okay? But beyond that, it's a month of Thanksgiving where we look back at the last eight, nine months, ten months, and we say, and we look and see how far God has brought us. At Victory Point, God has brought us a long way. And he has brought in a year. Because Victory Point is around about a year old now. And this, it's, it's, yeah. So we have a lot to be thankful for. But the biggest thing we have to be thankful for is the death of Jesus, our salvation. And so we thought it appropriate this morning to celebrate that as we begin our month of Thanksgiving. So if you can go ahead and serve the people. I probably should have said all that while they were serving, but that's okay. While we're, while we're being served, is there anybody that has a testimony about this last week, about this weekend of revival? Anything that anybody wants to share? Yes, Michelle. I'm alive. Hallelujah. And we and we thank God for that. Absolutely. Um, and this has just been. I'll go ahead. I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll, I'll say this one thing we're thankful for. You know the sign out here, and that used to say Bethel Assembly of God, but for the last year has been painted red, and doesn't have a name on it. That is getting ready to change. We are going to, and and. Pastor Tommy made some phone calls, and we've got the sign. Not yet. Not yet. We're just, it's going to be a little bit of time. But we're actually going to have a sign out here that says Victory Point Church. So, so we can stop saying, it's the church by the hospital, and people go, huh? We can say it's the, sign, it's, it's the church with the sign that says Victory Point Church. Amen.
as many of you know, here at Victory Point, we do things a little bit awkward and a little bit different than a lot of places. I'm not going to read the scripture, but here's what I want you to do. Communion is about thanksgiving. It is about thanking God for his sacrifice. And thanking him for what he's done for us. So let's, I want each and every one of you to think about the body represents physical healing. The body represents his body that was beaten, broken, bruised, and abused for us. So if anyone has physical needs, let us partake. And we pray, we're going to pray in a moment. And let us believe and thank God for his body that was broken, bruised, and abused for us. And believe and thank him that even though we don't see the victory yet, the victory is still on the way. So I'm going to ask my wife if she would lead us in prayer for the bread. So we know that the blood represents our salvation and the forgiveness of our sins. And what more do we have to be thankful of than that? And we know that there are many people that are not in this room, loved ones that are not in church at your home church, that need the blood of Jesus washed over their lives. So as we go into prayer, what I want you to do this morning, church, is I want you to call out the name. And I believe God is going to bring a name of somebody, that immediate family, friend, co-worker, I don't care. But I feel that if you feel that name, I just want you to call it out as we pray. And pray that God will bring mercy and bring his blood, and bring, wash his blood over them, their salvation. Miss Michelle, Michelle, would you pray?
God. I thank you for everything that you have done. God, I thank you for the moving of your spirit. God, I thank you for life. God, I pray as we move on with this service, God, that you would be with me. God, that you would pour your anointing over me. God, that you would step me out of the way. God, I step out of the way. Let this sermon not be your, not be anything from me, God, but let it be your word to your people this morning. In your precious and holy name I pray. Amen. Oh. So turn in your Bibles with me. And if you, I like it. Alright, so, right, so, right, so if we're going to do that, let's do it, let's do it right, alright? So turn in your Bibles. Yeah! Oh, we're in trouble now, but I love it. Love it, love it, love it. 2 Kings chapter 8. Alright, so this story. Now, sitting here going, okay God, what do I preach? Because... You know, I, I, should have, I should have probably prepared and said, like, Monday or Tuesday, figured out what I was going to preach on Sunday, because I'm usually a Saturday guy, but Saturday we were a little busy this week, so I was a Saturday night guy last night. But I was sitting here last night, and I said, God, before church last night, I was like, God, what do you want me to preach? And I got just 2 Kings 8. And I said, okay, well, what's, I was like, all right, so let's flip to 2 Kings 8 and see what's there. It's the story of the Shumanite woman, and it's, it's a part of the story. But in 2 Kings chapter 8, verses 1 through 2, it says this. It says, Elisha said to the woman whose son he had restored to life, Get ready, you and your household, and go, and live as a foreigner wherever you can. For the Lord has announced a seven-year famine, and it has already come to the land. So the woman got ready and did what the man of God said. She and her household lived as foreigners in the land of the Philistines for seven years. You may be seated. I'm going to read a lot of scripture. People, my people know we, we, we read a lot of scripture. All right. So you want to stand? Okay. We're, you're good. But as I was reading the story, there were several things that kind of struck me. Without reading the story, I actually began crying, and I don't know why I was crying, but I think just God, the power of God came over me, and I started crying. And it said this, and, and, and I look at this, and what, it, what happened? In her life, she had an ear to hear. Now, you see, there were many, many people living in the, in the land at the time. There wasn't just one lady in her family, right? There was a whole bunch of people. There was a whole lot of people. And she had an ear to hear. Because how did she get the prophet? Why did the prophet come to her? Sorry. We'll, 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 get, in, we'll get into it here in a minute. Struggling this morning a little bit. Got a little bit, little bit of pressure, you know. Let it go. But why? 
Why did she have the ear to hear? How did she obtain the ear to hear? You see, what had happened in 2 Kings 4, you see, she had, she was a prominent woman. She was a woman of wealth and influence, married to a man of wealth and influence. And Elisha would occasionally stop in and say, hey, I want to break bread with you. I want to come in and I want to sit and I want to meet with you. And so after Elisha did this several times, she said, she went to her husband and said, you know what? This is the man of God. This is a man who has an anointing on his life. And I recognize that. He carries the power of God. He carries the anointing of God with him. So we are going to inconvenience ourselves. We're going to build him a place to stay. So that when he comes in, we're not only going to feed him, but we're going to give him a place that he can rest. Now, I'm not talking about the man, but the anointing of God. And if we will inconvenience ourselves enough to say we have to make a place for the anointing to rest, then the, then the glory, the anointing will come and rest upon us. It will come and rest in our homes and in our lives. And then we will be able to hear. Why did he, why did Elisha look at her and say, leave because the famine is coming? Why? Because she allowed him to come and stay. She allowed, she got to know him on a personal basis. She didn't just say, oh, he's the man of God, I'm not. That's, that's the, no, she got up into him and she said, you come here. You come stay with me. I don't care what anybody else says. I don't care that a lot of people don't like you. I don't care that it's not popular to raise your hands and jump up and down and scream and holler. It's not popular. I don't care about that. I don't care what anybody else thinks about me. I don't care. The how I'm going to get my ear to hear is I'm going to say, I care about him. Not about me. I care about God. I care about the anointing. I care about the Holy Spirit resting upon my life. And not whether or not I get to catch up on my favorite television show. Oh, come on now. Y'all being quiet on me now. Come on. Come on. I'm going to prioritize the Spirit of God in my life. I'm going to prioritize the anointing of God in my life. Jesus said... Over your relationship with your husband or your wife. All right. Now, now, I, now, am I saying that you don't get to, that you don't have to love your wife and you don't have to treat her nice and you don't have to take her out and show her love? Absolutely not. But all I'm saying is the priority we place in our life over God is so far above everything else that we say, even if you don't follow me, just like Joshua said, as for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. Now, come on, men. Come on, men. I'm going to get in trouble, but I'm okay. You see, Joshua said for me in my house. It wasn't Joshua's wife. Now, I'm not saying the ladies, you can't take a stand. But as Pastor Tommy said the other night, or maybe we was talking, and he's told me, you know, 90, if the man takes the stand, maybe not, it wasn't you. I don't know. Maybe it was something I heard somewhere. 
maybe if the man, if the man takes the stand, there's a 90% chance that everybody else in the household will be saved. If the woman takes the stand, there's like a 15% chance that everybody else will be saved. So men, if your family's not serving God, and it's time to take a stand and say, as for me and my house, I don't see it now. I don't see it now, but it will be. Come on. Because I'm going to get the ear to hear. Because I'm going to prioritize. So whenever I get that 3 o'clock in the morning wake-up call and God says, go pray, I'm going to go pray. When I get that 3 o'clock in the morning wake-up call and he says, your son is about to jump off the ledge, pray. But we're going to pray. When we say, we're going to call a fast and we're going to pray for the drug addict on the street so that not another one dies in my town. Not another one dies in my county. Come on. What are we going to do? Are we going to sit and play? Are we going to play church? Or are we going to be the church? Come on. Y'all know our mission statement is this. Our vision statement is this. Is that we are going to connect with people personally. Because the number one evangelistic tool in the church right now period, is relationship. If I can build a relationship with you and you can see that, hey, I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. But you can see that I still love God and God still loves me and he's working on me and I didn't cuss as much as I do yesterday and I'm working on laying them cigarettes down or I don't drink as much as I did. God's working on me, and he's going to set you free. If we learn to prioritize the anointing, we learn to prioritize when the Spirit of God walks in this place, and we say, just, just, just another song, Pastor. Just to know one more song. Let me just say thank you one more time. The reason she had the ability to hear was because the reason she had the ability to hear was connected to former obedience. Oh, come on. She was, the reason she was connected to former obedience. Not former disobedience, because we've seen a lot of that. Former obedience. So, again, I always go here. Go back to, what's the first thing you open in the morning, Facebook or your Bible? Come on now. Come on. Go ahead. Oh, come on. What's the first thing you look at in the morning? Facebook or the news or your Bible? What is it? And, I, and I'll tell you what, I am not, sometimes, and I, I swear I struggle, sometimes it's Facebook for me because I look over and I see those notifications and I hate seeing notifications. I hate those little red numbers. I despise those little red numbers. And the next thing I know, it's like a half an hour later, and i got to get the kids ready. So the time I should have spent reading my Bible, the time I should have spent getting my coffee and saying, okay, if I only get a chapter down, if I only get a couple verses down, that's fine. Because I'm going to prioritize in my life the Word and prayer. Because trust me, at 7 o'clock in the morning when I'm getting my kids ready for break, getting ready for school, I don't want to strangle them some days. Nobody else has that problem. I got that. I understand that. But it's those moments of obedience because it's a lot easier for me to not strangle my son when I'm in the Word. 
It's a lot easier for me to be loving when I'm in the Word. It's a lot easier for me to not get angry at my wife for something stupid when I'm in the Word. You see, honor is what connected her to the prophet. She honored her encounter with him. And she made a place for the anointing to dwell. Not to come for a weekend momentary visit of revival. Because that is what I have seen my entire life. Is that we're going to come, we're going to have church, the evangelist is going to come, we're going to raise our hands, we're going to shout, we're going to dance, we're going to have fun. And then Monday comes and we're going to be doing the same junk we did on Friday night before we came into church. Ah, so she had an ear to hear. Now, how, now the second thing she had, 2 Kings 8, verse 3. The king, sorry, I jumped ahead. No, I didn't. 2 Kings 8. The king had been speaking to Gehazi, the attendant of the man of God, saying, Tell me all the great things Elisha had done while he was telling the king how Elisha restored the dead son to life. The woman whose son he had restored to life came to appeal to the king for her house and field. So Gehazi said, My lord the king, this is the woman. That's her. And this is the, this is the woman and this is the son Elisha restored to life. When the king asked the woman, she told him the story. Now you see, she had an ear to hear, but she had a responsibility to obey. Now my slide says a willingness to obey, but she had a responsibility to obey. Because if you are hearing the word of God, now I'm not saying man talking in your ear, but if you are hearing the word of God, you have a responsibility to obey. So when he says, go to Walmart and give the cashier $100, you go to Walmart and give the cashier $100 and tell her Jesus loves her. Because let me ask you, was that your thought or was that God's thought? When did you, stop, when did you start thinking like that? I'm going to ask first. Because I'm sitting here going like, I got $100. No. The thing of it is, is she could have lost everything. She could have lost everything. Because she left the land for seven years. The word of God came to her. The man of God came to her and said, you've prioritized me in your life. You've prioritized God in your life. You've got to leave this place. And so she said, I left. Take everything. All of it. Leave everything behind. Take only what you can carry. Take, gra grab the essentials and walk out the door. And this verse... Verses 8 through 6, or 3 through 6, sorry. says that she came back after the famine was over. She went to the king and she said, King, can I have my land back? And she's sitting here going, and I'm sitting here going, Wow, that's faith. To say, okay, I don't even, I'm going to leave. And I don't even know what's going to happen to everything I own. I don't know what's going to happen to it all. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to trust that God is going to provide for my needs because God has provided for me thus far. And you want to know how this lady got to this faith? You see, she made a place.
for him to dwell. In chapter 4, it says this. She made a place for the man of God to dwell. She made a place for the anointing to dwell. And then she, and then the man of God came to her and said, you've done this for me. What can I do for you? And he noticed, and she said, no, nah, I'm good. And he said, you don't, have a, you don't have a child. You don't have a son. And having a son in that culture is a big deal. You don't have a son. You're going to have a son next time. This time next year, you will have a son. And so she gets this great blessing. And then we fast forward a couple of verses, but probably a few years. We, assume, we can assume, I don't know how old the boy was, but I assume he was probably between 10 to 15 because he was able to go out with his father and, and go cut wood and his father was taking him out to do work. And all of a sudden he said, my head, my head, it hurts. And then he died in his mama's arms. So they took him home and he laid on his mom, mom's legs and he died. Anybody ever felt that the promise of God has died in your life? Has anybody ever felt that what God said, that what God gave you, that God made that promise? But it died. He said, nah. And then what does what, what does mama what does mom do? What does mama bear do? Because we, we got we got a few of those in this stuff. What does mama bear do? She comes in and she says, no, not my boy, not my promise. She goes and she, she, said, she goes to a servant and they say, what's wrong? And she said, ain't nothing wrong. Now, can we have that attitude? Because a lot of us in the church, we're going to say, what's wrong? Oh, brother, oh, pastor, let me give you the list. She said, nah, nah, there ain't nothing wrong. There ain't nothing wrong. Get, get, on, get the donkey, saddle the donkey, and let's ride. Saddle the donkey and don't stop unless I tell you. Don't stop for my sake. Just go. Because there are far more important things that you are carrying. You are carrying far more things than just you. Because you're carrying the seed of the next generation. You're carrying the promise of the next generation in you. So she rides, and Elisha sees her coming, and her, 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 his servant sees her coming, and he says, look, master, there's the Shumanite woman. And Elijah said, well, go see what she wants. So the servant comes up and says, okay, hey, how, how can I help you? How are you doing? What's, going, what's wrong? She says, it's fine. Take me to your master. Because sometimes the pastor, the servant, doesn't have your answer. I am just a man, just like you. I am just human. I don't have all the answers. Sometimes God will use the servant. Sometimes you've got to say, I don't care. I don't need the touch from him, and I don't need that touch from him. I need the touch from the living God that says, I can supply every need, not just some of them, all of them. And she says, and she goes, and she grabs his ankles. Now, in that culture, because I did a little bit of research on this, in that culture, grabbing his ankles, just like, he said, grabbing the horns of the altar, said, I'm not letting go 
until I get what I came for. I'm not going to let go. I obeyed you. I prioritized you. You ain't going to take my blessing. The devil ain't going to steal it. The devil ain't going to steal it. I'm going to go get on my knees and I'm going to pray. I'm going to intercede. I'm going to stand in the gap and stop saying, my town is dying and going to hell. This town is not the same as it used to be. Ten years ago, it was awesome. 1999, it died. Now, will there be somebody that cares enough to stand in the gap and say, not another one goes to hell on my watch. Not if I can stop them, I'm going to stop them. I'm going to hold it back. She had a willingness to obey. And, and her son came back to life. Because we see in 2 Kings 8 that she had her son with her. Because Elijah, Elijah came and, and, and or Elisha came and healed her son and brought him back to life. And now she's standing before the king. Actually, let me back up. So after that story, she gets a word from the man of God that says, leave everything and go dwell among the foreigners. Very few people in the Bible actually got the command to go live with the foreigners. Most of them said, don't go associate with them because you can't handle it. But because she prioritized the anointing in her life, because she prioritized the man of God and because she was willing to obey the word that she heard from God she could go into the culture that nobody else could hit she could go into the culture because she made her priority and said them, them Baal gods ain't gonna affect me because look at my miracle look at my past and say, my past looks bad. My past looks terrible. But I can walk into some places now because you can see my miracle that God did in my life. Not talking about somebody else's miracle. Not talking about something that, that, that's in the Bible. But what did he do for you? What did he do for you that qualifies you to say, hey, Because you see, it wasn't the woman that got her land back. Because the land would have actually gone into a trust underneath the king. How many of oh come on, it's good. How many of your promises did you walk away from that are in trust? All right, come on now. That are in trust to the king. How many promises? How many? She said, the word of God came, because the word of God cannot return void. And he said, leave. He said, go, leave it all behind. And so her life, everything she owned, went into trust of the king. Went into trust of the king. So now she's got to go before the king and say, and she's without a husband at this point because the Bible doesn't mention it. So we can, I can, I'm gonna make, you can make that assumption that she, her husband has probably died. Because in 2 Kings 4, it says he's very old. Now we're talking 17, maybe 20 years later. She's got the faith to walk before the king without her husband 
and with her only son and saying, can I please have my lamb back? And wouldn't you know that right about the time that the man of God is there and he says, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story of what God did in somebody's life. And she walks in the door. And he said, hey, you know that story I was telling you about? That's her. You see, her testimony went before her to the king. Her testimony, your testimony will go before you into the courts of men and into the courts of kings. Because, you see, this really is just a type and shadow of Christ. This is a type and shadow of heaven right here. This is a type and shadow. And if you don't know what that means, is that everything in the Old Testament is pointing to Christ. Everything. And, and, and this is a type and shadow of heaven. Where the man of God in this is Jesus. And the king is God the Father. And he's sitting there saying, let me tell you about my, let me tell you about what God did in Danny. Let me, t- let me tell you about what God did in Sarah. Let me tell you about what God did in Michelle. Let me tell you about what God did in Lori. Let me tell you. And intercede for you. And when he, you walk in, it's to tell the story. It's to tell your story. Because your story is the only, nobody can take your story. We can, we can sit here and we can, we can copy and we can paste and we can be anybody else we want. But nobody can take your story. Nobody can take your story. And then in 2 Kings 8, 6, it says this, So the king appointed a court officer for her, saying, Restore all that was hers. Along. Restore all. Now, if we stop right there, that sounds pretty good, right? Give her everything she had. Give her everything. Restore all that was hers, along with, all the income from the field from the day she left to now. Come on. Restore everything that the enemy stole. So somebody else worked her field. Somebody else. She may have planted it before she left. But somebody else worked it. Somebody else tended it. Somebody else nurtured it. And she came back and she said, her promise was yes, because she came back and got everything from the day she left to now. Come on now, that's good preaching, I don't care who you are, that is good. She got everything that was left, everything. Not, and we say here, we say, sometimes we say, we say here and we say, okay God, if you would just, if you would just do this, if you would just do this little bit, just, 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 just. Just, just, just give, me, give me this. And he's saying, no, uh-uh. I'm not going to give you just a little bit. I'm going to give you everything. Shaken, pressed, mixed together. I'm going to give it all back. Everything that you think you have forfeited, he'll give back. But only, but only if you learn to hear, you learn to obey and you learn to pray. Come on now. That's it. Restoration was provided. 
And in both stories, restoration was provided through her willingness to honor. To make the hard choice. Not the culturally relevant choice. The hard choice. Restoration was provided. And I can just imagine her saying, and, this is, and I'm, I'm closing with this, but I can just imagine her saying this. As she's walking in, the king, she said, you know what? I ain't even worried about it. Because God healed my son. And if he can do that, I, I, can, I can look at my past victories. And I can say, you know what? I might not have it all together right now. And I might not know what's going on right now. And I might not be able to see what my future holds right now. But if I will just listen and obey the word of God, then he is faithful to restore everything that was forfeited. He is faithful to restore. He is faithful to restore the children that we've lost to the world. He is faithful to restore that relationship we think that is too damaged to repair. He is faithful to restore a calling on your life. Let me say this. You are not too old to be of use in the kingdom. I'm closing with this. I promise I'm closing. God is faithful to restore. And I don't remember where I was going, so I guess I ain't going there. God is faithful to restore everything that we have forfeited. Because we are the ones who are unfaithful. We are the ones who say, you know, I don't want to do that. God, I don't want to give up Facebook. God, I don't want to give that up. That's too painful. Do you know how many? Or, 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 we, or we bargain. Or we bargain. That's my favorite. Well, I'm only going to look at it 30 minutes a day. And I'm, but I'm going to read my Bible first. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to get my five-minute Bible devotional out of the way. And then I'm going to spend four hours. But I'm, I'm only going to look at Facebook for 10 minutes. I'm going to check my notifications to see, see what anybody has to say about me. And then three hours later. I mean, I don't know about anybody else. That's how it works for me. I'm just saying. That's how it works in my life. You know, and I'm looking down and going, it's noon. Wow. Okay. And I wasted an entire morning. And I spent five minutes with God. But what you prioritize is what will define you. What you stare at. Is what will define you. So if you're constantly staring at pornography, that's how you're going to stare at the women around you. If you're constantly staring at the TV, that's how you're going to view the world around you. If you're constantly staring, it doesn't matter what. If it's not God, it's an idol. If it's not, if you're staring at something and it's not God, it's an idol. And I, I don't know about you, but have we, have we made idols in our lives? Have we made things in our lives that say, man, I, I'll do that. I'll, I'll read my Bible tonight before I go to bed. Man, I, I'll, re, I'll read it. 
I'll pray before I go to bed. And then we go to bed and we're exhausted after a hard day's work. And we say, I'll read it when I get up in the morning. Are we going to learn to prioritize? Or are we going to learn? Or are we going to continue in the same sun cycle? Because freedom, freedom ain't three months between looks, people. Freedom's not three days. Freedom is I ain't never going to do it and it's detestable to me now. Freedom is not I'm going to, I've cut down to one cigarette a day. Freedom is, I, oh, it's like taking your first breath again. That's freedom. Saying, I, 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 it's so disgusting to me, I can't even fathom the thought of it. Freedom is looking at little girls and saying, I'm going to stop human trafficking. That's freedom. So are we willing to make the hard choices this morning? Are we willing to say, you know what, I'm going to prioritize God in my life. I'm going to prioritize the moving of the Spirit in my life. I'm going to, and, and no matter what, I, if he tells me to do it, if I think he has told me to do it. Now, let me, let me say this. If it does not line up with Scripture, be careful. Be careful if it don't line up with Scripture. Because I, I, I can back up pretty much everything I got with my Bible on my iPad. Yes, I realize I'm pointing to my iPad when I say this. But everything God has ever told me to do, I can back up in there. When he says give, I can find Scripture where people gave everything. When he says lay down your life, I can find Scripture where people laid down their lives. And it's becoming confident enough that we hear the whisper. We hear the gentle voice. And if I think God told me to tell somebody about Jesus, I'm going to tell them about Jesus. And if I think God told me to go to Africa, I'm going to pray that God opens every door for me to go to Africa. And if, and if I think God told me to get off the road, I'm going to pray and I'm going to say, God, open the door. To get off the road. But as I've told you before church. Faith is this. Faith is not walking along. Making sure I have every step in order. Faith is I'm looking at him. And I'm going to step. And I'm going to believe. That he is going to provide the footing underneath my feet. That he is going to provide my everything. That I don't have to have it all figured out. I don't have to have my five-year plan. I don't have to have my five-month plan. I don't have to have my five-week or my five-day. I'm just going to step and believe that he's going to provide everything. So with this one, and that's it, I'm done. God, I thank you. Let's pray. God, I thank you for what you've done here this morning. God, I thank you. God, I thank you for saving me and moving in my life. And if you are here this morning and you would say, I haven't made God a priority. I've made other things in my life a priority. Whether it's TV, a tablet, a job, a rebellious child, whatever it is. If you would say that I've made that a priority in my life, 
instead of God being the top priority, I ask you to come forward. Let's pray. Lay that thing at the altar today and get your priorities straight this morning. The altars are open. If there's anybody that would like prayer for anything this morning, come on down. The altars are open.